Well, hello there and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and you are joining me here on a Thursday evening. In fact, it is January 14, 2021. You know what that means, folks? That means that we're officially a month out from St. Valentine's Day. So already, keep your Keep your your better halves, your loved ones, the people who really matter in your life. Keep them in mind. Keep them in mind. And I think that the best thing that you could tell them, the best thing that you could do for them in a month from now on Valentine's Day is to tell them, hey, I love you so much. I want you to join me live on a Thursday night to listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Listen to Mr. Warren Hayes talk about professional wrestling live 9 p.m. Eastern. My God, man. They'll love you forever. They'll be like, this is exactly the gift I wanted. Hell, I didn't even know I wanted this gift until you gave it to me. And isn't that exactly what St. Valentine's Day is all about, folks? Mm, mm, just surprising the one you love mm, with something unexpected. Mm. And you know what? The great thing is that it doesn't cost much. You come over here, you join us live in the chat, and we have a good time, just like we do every Thursday night. We record live every Thursday night because there's a whole bunch of great people here already. Tim Traver is here. Good friend of the show. How you doing, Tim? Good to see you. Kelly Tonhas is here as well. Nice to see you. Thomas Gorys. Good to see you. Uh, we've also got, hey, look at that. Robert Larry is here. Nice to see you, Robert. Um... Going down the list. Hey, Mr. Fretz is here. Nice to see you, sir. Benoit's joined us here as well. Evan Wright. How you doing, Evan? Tonight, J.K. Schwal. We've got a whole bunch of people here tonight. DGMC is here, too. I mean, see? Fantastic times. Only fantastic times here if you join us live here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes every Thursday night. And I appreciate it. And then all you have to do in return is give the video a thumbs up. That's all you have to do. Like the video, give it a thumbs up, and and and, you say, and then all the magic happens. And that's the best way to show your support for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Absolutely 100% does help the show grow. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, well, by the way, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Do consider showing some love there as well. A like, a review, a subscription, whatever it is you need to do over on that app. I appreciate it. Appreciate it tons because we have a, I like to see this grow. I like to see our community grow. Community, glad you talked about it, despite the fact that I did. Join the Mr. Warren Hayes Discord. We have a great bunch of people there who hang out. It's a very active server. We uh, we watch wrestling together when there's big events as well uh, with some live chat. It's a good crowd. It's a good place. If you want to escape the doldrums of Twitter, and if you're not interested in getting involved in the comments section of YouTube, hey, come on over there. Come on. The link is in the description. Join us in the Discord. It's a good time. You can also join the Mr. Warren Hayes Patreon if you want to do that. Patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Every, uh, after the show, every Thursday, I do a post stream for patrons only. And tonight, tonight, I will be chatting with the patrons, taking calls uh, from the patrons as well. We are going to be talking about our unpopular wrestling takes. Ooh, it's going to be a spicy one. Ooh, <laughs> If you want to join that, you can come and join the Mr. Warren Hayes Patreon. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. You can also join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel right here on YouTube. You hit the join button and you get access to a whole bunch. Well, maybe not a whole bunch, but we're getting there. We're getting to whole bunch status, but you get a, access to a bunch of emotes that you can use right here, such as uh, Goldberg. If you, you know, if, you, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> you, can, you can use your Goldberg emojis 
uh, emotes to the to uh, to the levels that you that you want, and that's fantastic. Uh, and you can also drop us a super chat as well, and uh, and I will read uh, and I will read your question or comment live here on the air. Such as from J.K. Schwal here left us one already. Thank you very much, J.K. Schwal, for the super chat. I appreciate it. He says 105 minutes on Wrestle Kingdom and zero mention of the crying baby. I'm not quite sure who we're talking about. The crying baby, 105 minutes in, no mention of the crying baby. Ah, I, I, get back to me. You don't have to send out another super chat, J.K. Schwal. I'll keep an eye out of, uh, for, for you on the... Uh, in the chat, just to make sure that everything is is clear in my mind. I also want to say hello to Colin Christopher Chase, who's joining us tonight. Good to see you, Ryan W. Vincent Elisar. Nice to see everyone here tonight. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's uh, that one. Anakin GMT has joined us as well. Hey, and by the way, don't forget belttobells.com. That's your women's wrestling wire. That's your ultimate source for women's wrestling news. Belltobells.com. B e double l t o b e double l es.com <laughs> and uh, as a as a as a preview to something coming up we, we we got a little article here um there was a lot of uh there was a lot of charlotte flair talk over the past 24 hours or so i don't know if you guys noticed um an article that popped up over on uh daily ddt on fan sided daily ddt um that was uh that was entitled uh, uh does charlotte flair deserve uh, does, does Charlotte Flair deserve the hate she gets? And that spawned a whole bunch of reactions, including one from um, Gorilla, uh, Gorilla Position podcast uh, over on Twitter. Uh, they had uh, they, they they put out a tweet yesterday uh, basically saying, I don't understand the negativity towards uh, Charlotte. It's not up for the debate for debate. The queen is WWE's greatest female performer ever. And her last name doesn't dictate her success and prominence. Her natural talent and commitment to perfecting the storytelling craft of pro wrestling does. So, all things that were fanning the flames. And Charlotte reacted to the uh, to the Daily DDT article as well. So, you know, there was a big groundswell of Charlotte debate that popped up yesterday. But the Gorilla Position tweet specifically got the editor-in-chief and co-owner, founder of Beltabells.com, Kristen Ashley, to think about to, 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 to think about is Charlotte really the greatest of all time in WWE? And Kristen got to doing what she does best, started pulling out stats, and she's joining us here tonight as a surprise, everyone, to give us a taste of this stats piece that she's preparing. So we have Kristen Ashley with us on the line. How are you, Kristen? I'm doing fantastic. So Kristen, as I said, you're you you love the numbers you like you love diving in why how, tell us about the article why did you feel that you needed to to get into the numbers to try and prove or disprove as whether charlotte is the goat or not of course <laughs> you call it that on Twitter um, and the tweet itself had said you know the argument here is that the, that Charlotte is the goat and that it's quote not up for debate and I thought well of course it's up for debate <laughs> because wrestling is one subjective as a form of entertainment and two predetermined right exactly so 
of course it's up for debate. And, uh, you know, the easiest way to compare any two athletes or an athlete to another athlete, whatever it is, um, is by comparative stats. Numbers don't lie. Um, and so what I wanted to do was go, okay, can we even claim that she is the goat? Um, so what I did was I, I collected stats on Charlotte and then to compare, I collected stats um, on the women who are generally considered by most as being the trailblazers. So okay. Sasha, Bailey, um, Becky Lynch, Asuka, Paige, Nikki Bella, Lita, Trish Stratus, and China. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, the, the argument too is that like I didn't do it on every woman because that would take forever. But I just did it on one that, you know, most people will say, oh, yes, that person is a trailblazer. Um, and Ooh, so then yeah. the stats I gathered yeah. were age. So typically an age of an athlete can be a really important benchmark on their career. Uh, who trained them? Okay. So um, a level of skill uh, can be determined by trainer. So if you hear, oh, so-and-so was trained by, you know, so-and-so, you might go, oh, okay, that, that's a really good skill set to learn. Um, uh, their WWE timeline. So when did they debut? When did they get to main roster? Um, their retirement, et cetera. Their firsts. So all of these women have a list of firsts. And so I added those in there. Titles, so number of titles, their total days as champ, um, and then the average title rain length, Ooh, how many yeah. days on average. Right. Um, total number of matches within WWE. Uh, this is all within WWE. Sure, right? sure, sure. I mean, some of these women don't have careers outside of WWE, so I had to keep it within that. Um, and then average number of matches per year. That will just show, like, work rate. Um, their win records, their average and their best. Uh, pay-per-view appearances, pay-per-view main events, uh, their longest singles match usually determines their uh, workhorse level. Sure. Um, I also included, like, how do they win most of their matches? Uh, for me, it's just really interesting to compare strengths of wrestlers that way. Okay. Um, I included awards, so non-WWE awards, um, and only the positive ones, which left out a lot of Wrestling Observer awards. <laughs> okay. You can imagine. <laughs> um, their overall weighted, uh, resident observer star ranking. Most weighted. Weighted. Yeah. So what wrestling observer does is they will take all the matches that they have rated. They have given stars and add it onto their career, um, total. And then they divide it by how many matches to get their average star rating. Okay. And then they do that for their entire career. Gotcha. And so then. Um, over time, eventually people will fall off the list, but it's a weighted list. So most of the women were on the list. Um, length of time they were missing from in-ring action. Ooh, yeah. They talked about yeah. that in the Daily DDT article, but for me it was more of, is this person injury prone? Um, are there sure. other personal injury uh, issues that are preventing them from really being the best they can be? Um, did they work with any promotions? I did include that just because it shows what kind of maybe skill level they had before going in little versatility, I guess. Yeah. Experience as well. Sure. Um, cause that's honestly, that's one of the arguments with Oscar is that she had such great experience before even getting into WWE. Right, right, right. Um, and then entertainment and mainstream appearances. So were they in movies? Were they in music videos? That kind of stuff. Okay. And the end goal was really not to give any sort of conclusion 
because frankly, there isn't really a clear conclusion to be made. <laughs> Is this a spoiler alert for your article? Well, <laughs> I think anybody who uses reasoning that an op-ed is opinion. <laughs> it's in the name. It's an opinion, just like the tweet that Gorilla uh, Position put out is also opinion. Sure. Because of what I said, it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be easier to go, who's the GOAT, uh, you know, quarterback of all time, because you can compare stats and like that. But, but it's harder with wrestling because some of it is predetermined. Some of it is push, momentum. It is kayfabe. So it's harder to determine. And my goal was just to go, look, here's the stats. Here, here, are, here are the facts that everyone can look over and you can make your own decisions because it's not clear cut. Um, so that's basically what the piece will be. It will be just a list of all those stats that you can just then go and compare and make your own. I'm not going to make a conclusion for anyone because I don't think that I should be able to. <laughs> it's an op-ed. All right. Well, and and you, so you're getting it all together. Uh, should will be published soon on belltobells.com. So be sure to keep an eye on that or follow the Bell to Bell account uh, over on Twitter. Uh, of course, since we're talking about Charlotte, Kristen, you know that uh, some people get impassioned about it. It's it's sparked off uh, some discussion in the chat. A couple of um, a couple of uh, super chats actually. Uh, to start off, there's Anakin who left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. Bit of a joke one. He says, sorry, Kristen, but numbers do lie. Ask Goldberg, old Goldberg streak, which of, oh. <laughs> which of course, you know, we, we know is fudged, but that's okay. Thank you very much, Anakin, for the super chat. We have Zach Barber who left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much, Zach. He says that gorilla position tweet is nuts. Becky Lynch is clearly the goat. No woman has achieved the level of success of Bailey, uh, of Becky, excuse me. Um, I, I, again, you know, we don't want to spoil the entire article, but you have been going through some numbers and doing some evaluations without going too much in in depth in it. Kristen, how does Becky weigh up to uh, to our girl Charlotte here? Well, yeah, I can I can throw out some general notes um, because, frankly, there's not like I said, there's not a whole lot of conclusions to be made. But here here's some cool notes. So. Um, you know, there's the four horsewomen and then Asuka. Um, four out of those five women have had their longest match um, of their career this year. Okay. Um, and actually, it was, I believe it was Becky that did not have the longest. I think hers was an evolution. I can't remember. But um, I think that's really important because that means that they're relying heavier or um, on, on the women this year, it seems to be. Which we all knew, but now it's just, like, more obvious. Um, as far as Becky, um, I will say that she hosts, she has the most pay-per-view main events out of everybody. Um, That's but cool. as far as, um, as far as the other numbers, there's really not a conclusive answer. Um, the number of pay-per-view appearances are around, right around the same number. The number of matches um, title reigns, obviously that's the one that Charlotte wins, mm-hmm. but for average length, it's not very obvious. Um, to be quite honest, there's no clear winner in almost any category except for number of titles, which obviously Charlotte gets. Right. Um, you know, and I even, I, you can even go far as saying as those more contemporary oh, wrestling, yeah. wrestling now who have more impressive physical records, they have longer matches, they have more appearances, they have smaller mainstream appeal than 
the ones who maybe had lesser numbers. So Paige, Nikki Bella, the ones who had you know, shorter matches and shorter title reigns, they have more mainstream appeal. They were in more media. Sure. Um, people know them more. So that, that again, it's like, well, okay, so what is your definition of success? Is it bringing women's wrestling to mainstream mm-hmm. or it's long matches, number of matches, number of title reigns? I think that's, it's not easy. And so we look at Becky and go, yeah, because she did bring women's wrestling to a mainstream, but you know what? So does Charlotte Flair. <laughs> um, so does Sasha Banks, right? She's a Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> Just Bailey so, now needs a big time TV role. Right. Which she could easily pull off. Um, is so Cheers still on? She'd be great on Cheers. Is Cheers still on TV? Cheers? Yeah. No. With Ted Danson? No. No, but she would be, it would be funny with her and uh, Michael Cole. That could be our Sam and Diane. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, there you go. That'd be really good. That'd be really good. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is that it, there is no clear winner. We can't say Charlotte is the GOAT. We can't say Becky is the GOAT. Well, we can, but we can't say that it's not up for debate. Because it's opinion. It's, right. There's no clear winner unless you're going title title reigns are the only clear uh, reason to like somebody. And that's the reason sure. why they rank number one. And then that's Charlotte. Sure. But other than that, it's, it's, they're all very close. That's why they're all considered trailblazers. DGMC left us a super chat as well in regards to this. Thank you very much, DGMC. Appreciate it. He says, it uh, sounds like this debate lies solely in the WWE realm, realm. And yes, that's what Gorilla Position had tweeted out, right? They said, the queen is WWE's greatest female performer ever. So yes, that's why. Uh, but he follows up by saying, I'm not up on Joshi stuff, but I'm curious where someone like Charlotte would stack up against the likes of Aja Kong or uh, Minami Toyota, which would be a whole other article in it about itself. And you probably couldn't use the same types of... Uh, yeah of evaluations because you could you couldn't exactly say that minami and aja were uh were mainstream attractions you know well and the thing is what's easiest about an article like this is that there is um a constant so anytime that you have like an experiment or you're comparing stats or something you want a constant like you they're all in wwe right um otherwise we can't really compare stardom to WWE women because they're not the same promotion. They're not ran by the same people. They don't have the same training regimens or schedules. So or work rate. Right. Yes. So you can't really compare the two. I mean, you can, but it's not incredibly fair and you can't make any conclusions like, you know, scientifically, I guess on that. So that's why I did it this way because I mean, the whole argument to begin with is that it's WWE's goat. That was the argument to be made. Um, but you'd have to have a constant anyway. So unless, unless Charlotte went and did some stuff in Japan, I really have nothing to to compare there. So, well, Kristen, that's a good preview. Thank you very much. And as Anakin asked us in a super chat as well, thank you very much, Anakin. Can Kristen post all these stats? Well, I do believe you will be posting all of that. Correct. Yes. I'll try try to make them as easy, easily readable as possible. They'll be like in uh, a table formats. Uh, ranked when I can rank them, the numbers at least, um, so that you guys can see what I've collected there. Yeah. And that will be airing, uh, not airing, but posted on belltobells.com very, very soon. Kristen is 
polishing up the numbers, tweaking everything, crossing the I's, dotting the T's, although with their numbers, so I don't know, crossing the sevens, <laughs> circling, okay. circling the O, the zeros, I don't know. Anyway, yes. Kristen, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we leave? Uh, no, it's just thank, thank you, everybody, for supporting Warren um, and his rants. I appreciate it a ton. I appreciate all of his listeners and viewers. You mean a lot to both of us, so thank you. Thank you very much, Kristen, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. <laughs> that was Kristen Ashley, Bell to Bell. So, yeah, follow everything over on uh, belltobells.com or on Twitter at belltobells. It'll be fantastic. And uh, the, the article will be out soon. Probably not tonight. There's still some polishing work that needs to be done on it. But it will be out soon. So on that note, folks, let's get to it. We are going to do the weekly wrestling inspection. By the way, I want to say hello to Noob, who's joining us tonight. Good to see you, Noob. And Justin Firestein. See, I remembered. You told me how to pronounce your last name. I fucking remembered. I am the king. Let's start talking. Let's go right in. And we are going to start by talking about some new Japan Pro Wrestling because it's here and it's exciting and I am good for it. Let's, uh, let me scroll back a little bit here. Um... So there was a crying baby. I didn't even notice the cry. There was a cry or there was a crying baby in the audience of wrestle. And I didn't mention it. I didn't even notice. I did. That's how enthralling the matches were in regards to Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Evan, by the way, I saw your super chat. <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save it for later. I'll, I'll, I'll squirrel that one away for uh, for in a little bit. But yeah, let's there's some um, there's some really fun uh, New Japan stuff. Uh, coming down the pipeline here, um, we've got uh, we've got the uh, the new beginnings sh shows, which are uh, going a whole bunch of stuff was announced. We're getting we're getting the new Japan new beginnings show, new beginning in Nagoya on January thirtieth. Then the new beginning in Hiroshima, which is going to be on two nights, February ten and eleven. And then we have all the Road Two shows that have been announced in the meantime. But we're gonna just I just want to skim over these cards here very very quickly. Uh, just to see what we have in store. I'm not going to go down the entire road. Oh, yeah. uh, not not the whole lead up. But I am going to talk about the main shows. In Nagoya on January 30th. Uh, we're going to get to Kazuchika Okada and Yano versus Evil. And Yujiro Takahashi. The Tokyo Pimp. Okada can't shake him. He just can't shake him. Uh, we're also going to get to Kota Ibushi. Uh, Tomoaki Hanma. Hanma. Show and Master Wato versus Sonata, Naito, Hiromu, and Bushi. We're also going to get Hiro uh, We're going to get Tenzan versus the Great Okan, which is a match that was set up brilliantly at uh, at New Year's Dash when um, when Great Okan just destroyed Tenzan, who did a stretcher job. Not something you see very often in New Japan, so that was cool stuff. We're going to get Kojima versus. Uh, Satoshi Kojima versus Will Ospreay, which is something I'm I'm also very much looking forward to. So this was all set up at New Year's Dash. So it's the Empire, right? Will Ospreay stable trying to get back into their winning ways. Now this is what we talked about at the Wrestle Kingdom post show that I did a couple of weeks ago. Was it a couple of weeks? Ago? Just last Saturday. What am I talking about? The the year hasn't advanced that quickly yet, folks. Um, 
This is what I was uh, uh, talking about. The Empire lost all their matches at Wrestle Kingdom, right? And, but it doesn't mean that it's the end for them. What it means is that they shot too high too quickly. They fizzled out. Now they just have to rebuild. And they're going to rebuild good and proper. Now everything has been set. Great Okan has history with uh, Tanahashi at this point. Uh, Will Ospreay just couldn't get it done against uh, against uh, Okada. Jeff Cobb and and um, and uh, Shingo again. Uh, Cobb's uh, couldn't couldn't quite get the job done. So we're rebuilding here, rebuilding the empire, starting fresh, moving forward, new beginning, right? So this is what we're getting here, and I think that this was set up magnificently at New Year's Dash. Great beatdown. Um, Tenzan and Kojima, of course, as close to a legendary tag team as you'll get in New Japan. Ooh, yeah. um, so they have history. They're partners. They're friends looking out for each other. I dig this. Again, Great Okan. I mean, if you want to... I, I, I don't want to rehash my entire Great Okan rant, but, you know, I'm... I'm, this to me feels like a better fit for him than, uh, you know, night one Wrestle Kingdom against Hiroshi Tanahashi, where it's a bit out of nowhere. And I'm like, what? Let allow me the chance to be impressed with him before, before I throw all in with him because I don't quite see it yet. I just don't quite see it. That's a, it's fine too. And uh, the main event, as it stands right now, it's for the never open weight title. And why wouldn't it be when Shingo Takagi is going to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi? By God, people. By God. The never open weight title is so hot. It's so fucking hot right now. And I'm going to talk about it in a bit. About the IC title. But I'm going to talk about it in a bit. Because it seems to me that our boy Kota Ibushi is... Uh, that our boy Kota Ibushi is... Uh, turning heel in the eyes of some people. But I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Um, then uh, when we move over, head on over to uh, Hiroshima uh, on night one, February 10, we're going to get uh, the Young Lions, Sushi, Umera, and Gabriel Kidd versus Suzuki, El Desperado, and Kanemaru. Suzuki-gun doing Suzuki-gun things, beating the shit out of Young Lions. It'll be a good time. Master Wato versus Bushi. That should be a fun one too. We're also going to get you know, one of these multi-man matches. Okada, Yano, Goto, and Ishii. Chaos versus... Oh, and Yoshihashi, let's not forget. Versus the Bullet Club uh, setup of evil. Uh, Yujiro Takahashi. The Tokyo Pimp! Dick Togo, uh, Taiji Ishimori, and El Fantasmo. That should actually be a great, f fun time. I, I, I don't always look forward to the multi-man matches, but this should be a fun one. Kota Ibushi and Hanma versus Sanada and Naito. I guess who's taking the pin there, folks? <laughs> it, it ain't Ibushi. It ain't Sanada. And it ain't Naito. Tell you that much. Uh, the IWGP uh, heavyweight tag titles are going to be on the line. Guerrillas of Destiny are going to give the Dangerous Techers their rematch. That should be a lot of fun. And the main event that night is going to be the, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Yours, my favorite, and Kristen Ashley's new stand. Hiromu Takahashi will be defending again. Show in a slapper. I can. It's going to be so fucking good, guys. Like Evan Wright left in his super chat. Thank you very much, Evan. Says Hiromu versus Show hose me down. Are you? I mean, there's. I don't think there's enough hoses. To hose us down. We are going to be. 
a burning inferno of joy during that match. It's going to be a good one. That's a good card right there. Night two uh, starts off with Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi versus the Young Lions, Suji, Yumera, and uh, Gabriel Kidd. Um, that'll be fine. Uh, then we get uh, we get uh, Suzuki Guns, uh, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Kanemaru versus Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Beep, Taiji Shimori, no Fantasmo of Bullet Club. We get Hanma Show, Wato, and Naito, uh, and Wato versus Naito, Takahashi, and Bushi in a very strange match. I feel like there's going to be a storyline that's going to come out of that one. Um, Okada and Yano versus Evil and Dick Togo. It kind of feels like they want Okada and Evil to enter a program. Don't you think? It kind of feels like we're going towards that. I don't know how excited I am about that. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll just, we'll, we'll see how things evolve. Uh, then we're getting uh, Tai Chi, Zack Sabre Jr. and Doki versus Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa and Jado, whatever. And the main event is going to be Kota Ibushi versus Sonata for the two, for the double belts. Um... That that's gonna that should be a good time. And I I honestly I think Ibushi's going to retain. Like Evan Wright left in the super chat. Thank you very much. Evan, he says, anniversary show, please. Ibushi versus Hiromu. I agree. You know, uh, uh, confinement, COVID took us ri ripped away from us. Hiromu versus Naito at the anniversary show. It took it away from us. Give us Ibushi versus Hiromu this year. Let us not worry. About in a in a add, let's add a stipulation. The stipulation to the matches. Who gives a shit about their necks? That should be the stipulation. Actually, I, I kind of I want Hiromu to watch his neck. To be perfectly honest, um, so I, this should be good. Uh, this should be a, a fun main event. Um, and uh, Evan Wright left us another super chat as well. Uh, thank you again, Evan. I appreciate. It. He says pipe dream, but make chaos versus lions for the titles. Up uh, for the six-man titles. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. I mean, the Lions would still lose because that's what they do at this point in their career. But it, you know, why not? Why not sprinkle a little something interesting there? I would. I mentioned it just uh, just a bit when I got excited that the the never title was main eventing night one, uh, not night one, but uh, 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 the Nagoya show, uh, uh, Shingo against Tanahashi. I've said it a couple of times. Said it on the Wrestle Kingdom. Um, show as well the, the never the never title was the title in new japan last year i thought the main event situation was a bit of a mess but the the never title was consistent always great matches because it was held by great people and look at where we are we got shingo and tanahashi challenging for the title so that's fucking awesome so we're con we're starting off 2021 strong with the great showing of the never title which in my opinion and this is what i was going to say it feels like the number two belt but we all know what the number two belt in new japan is it's the ic title and you know our boy ibushi where we love him he's handsome uh you know body like a, a god uh, uh you know a smile that uh, would crack the hearts of the uh hardest troll i don't know what i'm talking about but he said in the press release, he said it before winning the titles, but he said it on his, his championship uh, uh, press conference when he, when he sat down to talk about the titles. He says, I want to unify the belts, not split them. Unify them. U unify the IC and uh, heavyweight championships. I was like, I was like, I tweeted out of the, good man. I'm, I'm cool with that. And then 
people started coming out of the woodwork and were like, no, he can't do that. No, no not good man, bad man, bad Ibushi. IC title is great. It was like, well, the IC title isn't that great. It's not. Uh, hear me out. I know there's history. I know it's Shinsuke's belt. I I I get it. And there there is a great history. There there's a good lineage behind it, right? But remember when Naito held it? Not just that last time, but the previous times. He just tossed it around like it was. He he didn't give a shit about it. You rem I'm sure you all remember Naito's runs with the IC title. He didn't care about it. He wanted the 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 the, the top strap. Like frankly, and here's my here's my my thing, right? Here's my thing. If they don't have a plan for the IC title, then yeah, they should just either merge it or retire it. Because right now they do have a great, fucking fantastic secondary belt, which is the Never Title. Plus, the Never Title is open weight. It's not limited to a weight class. Anyone can challenge for it so that's that's and it has been it has risen to prominence it has become something special thanks to thanks to the last few champions who've held it shingo suzuki uh, you know maybe maybe goto's run wasn't all that stellar but when ishii had you know ishii's a regular on it as well and he's fantastic i wouldn't have a problem with it i really wouldn't i would i much prefer I much, I much prefer titles being retired or just set aside for a while, put on hiatus while waiting for something to happen. Um, I, I'd be fine with that. I mean, let's let's be honest. The U.S. title, which has always been kind of the the joke title, it's always been Juice Robinson's title, eh, is actually a lot more exciting than it's been eh, ever. <laughs> With with Moxley holding it, with Kenta defending the, the the briefcase so much, and I'm convinced that New Japan wants the U.S. title to have a certain level of prominence because they feel like they need that to make a proper incursion into the United States because New Japan Pro Wrestling of the United States of America is still something that exists and that is I feel is bound to expand in 2021. It, it, rumors of tv deals in north america and in the uk uh they're still they're doing a good job with their friday night shows as well i mean there's there's material here there's material to move on and without the ic title i think the ic title might be a, a little too much at this point but it's interesting like how many people are against this idea and i'm like my god is ibushi going to turn heel because of this I think it's I, I it's wild to me. I of course we'll see how how it happens, but quite frankly, I'd be okay with the IC title being re, being retired or merged with the with the heavyweight title. I don't think it has that much luster. I don't think I don't think the guys at the top of the card really care that much about the title. It always feels like a consolation prize. It really really always does feel like a consolation prize. It doesn't feel like a prestigious championship. It hasn't for a while anyway. I want to say hello to Injection2K who's here. Oh, and by the way, I know Jay White, his profile has been removed from New Japan, uh, NewJapan.com uh, 1972. I know he's not there anymore. And I still think it's a work. I, it, color me shocked if he shows up anywhere else and I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow. Not a problem. 
but it still feels like work. New Japan leaned too much into the fact that he was leaving. It still feels like a work, but keep me posted, right? Keep me posted. Um, all right, let's go right in and talk about. We gotta put out our little our our, our little, little labels here. We gotta put on our labels. Let's put out some warm soda here. I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the. Uh, hey, Joe Anthony Myrick is here. Joe Anthony, Kristen. He's rehired. Good to see you, Jam. Um, so, um, so here's the thing. The gauntlet match last Friday on SmackDown. I'm giving it a warm soda because there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. Okay. I enjoyed the match and I enjoyed seeing Shinsuke Nakamura have a bit of a fire lit underneath, underneath him. Right. I, that felt good to me. No, we're not seeing, we're not seeing 2012, Shinsuke right now no 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 okay that, that's a whole other thing all right but it, it's good stuff I enjoyed the gauntlet match I thought it told a good a good story um I can only assume I have a lot of thoughts here but I can only assume that maybe Rey Mysterio is not 100% yet and that's why they're keeping him on the down low and they're not putting him him into a big program because frankly Quite frankly, and I know there's the brand split, but hear me out here. Why, why couldn't Ray be that legend to get a great match out of Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble, or you know, just again against Roman Reigns either? See, this is something that I don't understand in regards to WWE's perception of Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is a bona fide legend. Like, not in the WWE sense of legend. He is a true-to-form legend in the wrestling business. And he's a former world champion for the goddamn company. I don't see, I don't get why he's relegated to these, to these roles. Where he's just like a stepping stone. Where he should be in a program. Where he should be oh, doing yeah. great things with established talent and having great programs and putting them over. That's something, that's something that I think would be a proper use of them. But I I I, I don't understand. Um I, I don't understand how, how how that goes. But like they brought they brought the whole Seth Rollins stuff over when they did the brand split and now it's like it's as if they don't know what to do with it. I mean, where's Buddy Murphy been since then? You know, it's like so short-sighted. It's frustrating. But aside from all of that, here's a takeaway. Oh, we got a couple of super chats on the race stuff. I'm gonna get to that before I move into my other into my principal Ooh, takeaway yeah. of, of the gauntlet match. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much, DGMC. He says Roman Goldberg and Drew Lee at Rumble, just saying. Why Goldberg? We don't need Goldberg. <laughs> you mean as a tag team? Roman and Goldberg in a tag team versus Drew and Lee? Or as that's... Regard, look, we just... Goldberg, look, you just go... You pluck him out of there and it, it makes that sound. You know, because it's disgusting. Because you have to touch him with your hands. And then you go like... And you flick him away. So long, Goldberg. <laughs> Um, 
But it's, it's, Drew, Drew versus Keith Lee at the Rumble would be immediately superior. And honestly, I think Roman and Ray would have had great, would have had a, a solid foundation and a great story to lead in. That, that's a whole other thing. Anakin JMT left us a super chat again. Thank you very much, Anakin. I appreciate it. He says, regarding Ray, I don't need the brand split bastardized even more. No, no, I know. That's why I said I know the brand split is there. But I'm just, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that, and I completely agree with you, we don't want the lines to get muddled. That's fine. What I'm saying is uh, Ray as a legend should be in more interesting programs. And if you're going to bring back crusty old legends to put into programs with your current talent might as well be a legend who's already on the roster and can still go that's my point now here's my takeaway from the gauntlet match here's what i here here's my here's the lesson i learned from the gauntlet match on smackdown last friday looking at the reactions on twitter seeing how people got excited about it w the wwe fans care about in-ring wrestling and stories they really do they care and they still care about shinsuke nakamura god damn it that's one that's another thing that, that you can take away here but at this I, I i looked at the reactions i saw how everything played out and i saw how mad people got i saw how involved they got into this in, into the gauntlet match and then how everything sort of fell apart anyone who tells me from this point forward that WWE fans are unable to appreciate in-ring storytelling, uh, good good wrestling matches. Anyone who tells me that, I will I will say false. I think you're selling the fan base short. And I think by assuming that Vince McMahon wants angles and and, and storylines all the time, that you assume that that's what the fans want. I don't think, and I think we really got a good showing here. Adam Pierce winning the gauntlet is not the problem. I'd say, you know, I think overall former NWA world champion Adam Pierce is is an appreciated is an appreciated Joe. I think I, I think overall he's a guy that we like. I like Adam Pierce. I think most people do. He's probably well liked backstage. I think he's a good producer. He's a good on-air personality. And, and Adam Pierce in and about himself is not the problem. I think the problem is the swerve, the stupid swerve that we got at the end. And no, I don't think that the swerve is a good compliment to the Roman Reigns story, who, as you guys know, I'm on the record, I dig it. I like what they're doing with Roman. I think this was a misstep of a huge misfire right here. They still have time to course correct. They could pull out anything at this point. Have Kevin Owens return next week and take Pierce's place. I don't care. Like, there's still time to fix this up. I think, I honestly and frankly think that the swerve that they gave us here in the context of the gauntlet match just didn't, just fell flat because people were buying what was happening in the ring. They were buying the story, buying the match. Hell, Daniel Bryan stood up, shook Shinsuke's hand, and we were like, okay, shit, we are getting some competition tonight. This is going, this is something. We're, get, we're getting meat on our bones. We didn't even get a goofy in-ring Baron Corbin heel. We got competitive, I want to win Baron Corbin. Everything was good. It was a good, good setup. The storytelling was fantastic. 
But WWE had to WWE it up and bring in this extraneous storyline that ultimately did not serve what the fans were into. It's such good heat, pal. No, I don't think it's good heat. I think this is bad heat. I think, again, this is WWE. I Let me rephrase that. As the gauntlet match was going on, I sincerely believe that a bunch of people were watching this saying, Jesus, we're getting something that we want. We're getting a good Shinsuke showing and some fun wrestling, drama, compelling. This is cool. Shinsuke is going to go to the Royal Rumble to face Roman. And that prospect was like, wow, this, okay, I'm into this. But no, then WWE's like, no. Nah. We gotta, we gotta slather on a, la a, a whole layer of shit that you don't need. Roman doing a power play. Roman's been doing his power play for weeks. And there were, there could have been many other ways for Roman Reigns to make a power play on the authority. I don't even understand how, still how he managed to get uh, Adam Pearce into the match. I, I, I don't understand. I know Heyman made calls, whatever. But you know, you understand, it's ridiculous. And it's too far. It's too far and it doesn't serve the very personal nature of Roman Reigns' heel turn. Roman's heel turn has always been one of a very personal nature. Himself, him being at the head of the table, his family. Does he really give a shit about corporate politics? Does he really? Because I think it should be the other way around. Instead of him trying to insert himself into things, people should be bending over to make him happy. I think it was a misfire. And I don't think it's great. And I don't think the idea of Roman Reigns versus Adam Pearce at the Royal Rumble is all that exciting either. Again, I think that there's still time for a swerve in here. He's not done with Kevin Owens. We know Kevin Owens is, is just uh, selling the injury and he'll be back. But it's disappointing to see WWE put on something that was entertaining, that was sports-based, that had everything to do with why we love wrestling, and then just yank it away from us. Just be like, no, nope. we got to go down this route here. Isn't this great? And no, it's not. It's a swerve that just comes out of complete nowhere complete nowhere but I am going to tell, tell you about some cool beans though because here's one thing we the, uh, especially when it comes to Raw because I think Smackdown is the better of the two shows but especially when it comes to Raw we spend a lot of time talking about how uh, how frustratingly bad <laughs> Raw is and and sometimes I don't feel that we take the time to focus on the good things that they're doing. And there's not, not a lot these days that is that are really compelling on Raw or that they're doing well. However, Bobby Lashley's push since joining the Hurst business has been nothing but excellent and has been textbook fantastic and has established him as a true-to-form real badass in the company now here's a guy that remember when he came back 18 months ago two years at this point 
They didn't know what to do with them. They have Bobby Lashley coming in from his super hot impact run where he was just absolutely dominant. And then they turn him into this smiling baby face. Oh, he used to be in the army. Oh, Sami Zayn makes fun of him. And then it's like, oh, we're going to turn him heel. And now he's his fucking Rusev's wife. And then he marries her and like all this goofy bullshit. And look at what happens. Look at what they do. The minute that they're like, no, nah, this guy's a killer. And we're going to book him as a killer. And he's going to he's going to act like a killer. And he's, it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to work because he's a natural at it. That's what playing off of his strengths. So when they have him fight and they protect him to make sure that he comes across as a badass, I buy into it. And then I don't turn around here, come back on my show and say, oh, of course, they have to protect everyone. It makes sense for them to make Bobby Lashley come across as a as an invincible guy, as a as a final boss type character. I swear this is what they're building to for WrestleMania. I think we're getting Drew versus Bobby too. They're going to have Bobby drop the the US title in some fashion, but this is something they're building Lashley to be a beast. I am fully expecting Lashley to have a dominant, a dominant Royal Rumble. He is going to have the Drew run this year. And we're going to buy into it. Why are we going to buy into it? Because they built him nice and slow and proper up until this moment. Right now, you look at this and you're like, who the fuck can beat Bob Lashley? He had Matt Riddle tap clean to him on Monday. I swear to God, if you're a Matt Riddle fan, parentheses, if you're a Matt Riddle fan, it has got to be hard for you guys these days because Riddle is so obnoxious backstage. The segments, I know they're trying to play off of his cool and laid back personality, but he's just coming across as so cringe and grating and they're not letting him perform and then they're having him lose. They had him scared of almost a few weeks ago. Remember that? Matt Riddle back, backing down, MMA fighter, Matt Riddle backing down from a fight because a dude is bigger than him. Fuck that shit. Are you kidding me? What kind of moron do you think I am? And now, and now, and, and then Monday, it's like he, he taps out clean to Lashley, which I don't have a problem with because this is the kind of shit that you have to do if you want your, 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 your next monster heel if you want him to be a monster heel, that's the kind of shit he has to do. That's the kind of wins he has to get. Beat a guy up before the before the bell starts. Continue beating him up when, when the bell rings and then finish him off with the finisher. I mean, it's fucking textbook, but it works. And then Riddle, but then Riddle, just to continue on my parentheses here, Riddle takes the microphone and he's like, he's like I couldn't beat you this time, Bobby Lashley, but maybe I can beat your manager. Like, what the fuck are they doing with Riddle? Oh, the... What? How does that even equate to anything close to badass? I can't beat... I can't beat the... The the young... I can't run faster than the... Than the... uh, uh, Than the athletic stallion that was grain-fed, organic um, shit, whatever... So instead, I'll race against the old mare. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Break bad. Good to see you. Welcome to the chat. Anyway, the, so th that's that's my that's my my thing with with Lashley is that they're doing such a good job with them. And you know, there's a lot of people who are poking and like, oh, Daniel Bryan's a shoe. And I think I think Bobby Lashley's your guy. I think Bobby Lashley's the guy. I honestly do. And mark my words. I'll do the war, the the riddle promo again. Hey, I can't beat you, uh, Bobby Lashley, but maybe I can beat your manager. <laughs> hey. Because <laughs> I know some people are thinking, oh, Daniel Bryan's going to win the, the the Royal Rumble. Look, Daniel Bryan was was taken out easily in the gauntlet match. All right, guys, I'll work on my riddle impression. That's fine. It can be as perfect as my Vince McMahon impression. Sorry about that. <coughs> Evan Wright left us a super chat earlier on. Thank you very much, Evan. He says that he's here to pay his respects to Kenny Omega's career. Rest in peace. Yeah, let's talk about Kenny Omega's career. Let's uh, Let's talk about that. On his match last night. Last, on Dynamite last night. Uh, Kenny and the Good Brothers versus the Varsity Blondes and uh, uh, Danny Limelight. You know, the, the the match where Kenny Omega gave way too much gave way too much offense to Danny Limelight. He gave too much offense to Danny Limelight. Danny Limelight is, uh, is, uh, is uh, overpushed. And uh, you don't book your world champions like that. Your world champions, they, they run in and they destroy the competition. There's no, no, no half measures here. You put, your, you put your top guys with jabrones and they have to squash the jabrones. That's how it works. That's how wrestling works, right, guys? So Kenny Omega, career, look, it happened with Allen Angels a couple of months ago. He did the same thing. And now with Danny Lamlight. Kenny Omega's canceled. He's fucking canceled. Ah! Yeah! Fuck Kenny Omega's career. He's done. <laughs> I can't. It's wild to me. Now here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. <clears throat> I remember when the Allen Angels Ooh, thing happened. Yeah. When he had his match. <laughs> Anakin lift me a super chat. Says, All right, calm down, Satin. What? How dare you? <laughs> uh, well, at least he didn't compare me to Bruce Mitchell. Hey, oh. Um. <laughs> um. Here's the thing. Here's what I uh, here's what I want to um, here's what I want to uh, to set up here. A couple of a couple of months ago, Kenny Omega did have an extended match with uh, Allen Angels, right? And I I remember coming on this show and saying I don't get it, and saying the exact same stuff. 
saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. I really don't understand why Kenny Omega is having all this time against nobody. He should be destroying this chump. But then you take the time, you sit back, you, you think more, you observe, and you learn. People grow, folks. And, and then you understand. The basic formality of it is that AEW has a very, very different approach than WWE has in how they create stars and how they maintain uh, excitement on their weekly uh, television program called Dynamite as opposed to, let's say, Raw. You come to realize that we've been, we've been caught with WWE as the mainstream reference, the one you tune into every week. We've been caught with that on television for so long that we we've come to a point where we think that there's only one way to run a wrestling show. When really there isn't, and when the formula is starting to work and you're starting to see how compelling it is, you're kind of like, well, maybe there's something to this, right? Maybe there's, maybe there's something, uh, maybe there's something interesting. Uh, maybe there's something to this formula that these guys specifically AEW in this point, maybe this, uh, maybe there's something to what these guys are, are creating here. This wasn't a squash. Of course not. And it was never meant to be a squash. It showcased great talent, including Danny Limelight, Limelight, I'll pronounce his name correctly, with who I saw on New Japan Strong a few months ago and I thought, wow, this kid is fantastic. People got mad or unnerved that Kenny Omega didn't end this quicker, that there was some offense, too much offense. Omega's the champ. He looks like a schlub now. But we have to try out new things. We have to try out new visions, new ways of approaching matches. And to me, it's especially the it's turning into the trademark of a guy like Kenny Omega who gives a lot of himself to his opponents and and ends up elevating them. Now, why would you do that? Is the question. It's like why would Ooh, you yeah. as a champion, a seasoned veteran, why in the hell would you turn around and give so much to your no-name opponents and I'm doing air, air quotes here folks just to make sure you understand that I don't consider necessarily that they're not names but you're not star players. How about that? <laughs> it's a little more convoluted, but it's a little closer to what I'm trying to say. Why would you do that? Well, because you're preparing the next undercard. You're preparing the next evolution of uh, the the uh, of of stars that are going to populate your company once once uh, some people start to retire or scale back because of uh, because of age or get injured or for whatever reason. The rest of the roster will be challenging you eventually or someone else down the line. And that's a, and this is what's cool about matches like this and this is what you have to, this is what you have to 
um, glean from it is that eventually Danny Lamlight is probably going to get another shot at Kenny Omega or it's going to reside in his history. If AEW does want to continue going down the, the, the path of sports-centric storytelling, which they're often capable of doing, but they're also capable of doing the opposite as well. Not, let's, not be, let's not be completely off the, off the rails here. If, if they are willing to continue to go down that line, this kid's next move, limelights, should be, I need to work harder, I need to uh, I need to improve. I need to keep working against this all of these top tier talents and then one day at one moment at one given opportunity I am going to get my shot. It's it's the kind of storytelling we see in New Japan all the time, right? And that's the problem. And 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 by doing that, you're creating you're creating stars in the waiting or people wrestlers that we've seen and that we're excited to see moving forward that we're excited to see moving forward so that when they do come around again we're like hey we know who this kid is and then when they finally pick up a win how satisfying will that be not only for Danny Limelight the the wrestler the character but for the audience as well we're all going to end up caring about these people that we see on TV because they're not pushing them as stars right now. They're competitors. They're working their asses off to try and get their moment in the shine. And sure, Limelight wasn't ready for, for Kenny Omega. Why would he be at this point in his career? But I much prefer to see my champions struggle for a match, show us why they're great, as opposed to just squashing dudes. Show us why you're great. Show us how you come back from a thing, from uh, uh, being cornered because this kid pulled a thing on you. You know, the, all the Goldberg jokes aside, you know, aside from that stuff, from Goldberg squashing people, you know, and if we if we think about dominating champions, Asuka is always one that comes to mind. Asuka never squashed people. Asuka always had hard-fought competitive matches regardless with who she was fighting and that's what made her exciting and that's what made her matches with anyone exciting because you were like anyone has a chance but Asuka's so fucking good but anyone has a chance we don't need to go around starting squashing people right and left there's a there's a and I, and I want to circle back to WWE here for a second, but I'm going to read a couple of super chats. First of all, from Anakin, who left us a very generous super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. I appreciate it. He says, people seem to forget that once upon a time, Angle, as in Kurt Angle, had a competitive match with a rookie who almost beat him, and he didn't look bad, and his name was John Cena. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, if you never open up these doors, they will always close. If you never try to open them up, no one's ever going to go through. They'll always close and you'll always be circling around the same drain, ultimately. Evan left us a super chat. Evan Wright, thank you again. Evan, I appreciate it very much. He says, Kenny caught crap here and with the angels, 
caught crap here and with angels and he caught crap when he killed Sunny Kiss in 15 seconds. A lot of bad faith out there for Kenny Omega. Well, I mean, th yes, that's a whole, uh, that's a whole other podcast in and about itself. But, uh, you know, because I agree, I think there's a natural disposition to be mad about Kenny Omega. <laughs> I think, I think that's, that's something that exists out there and it's, it's kind of sad. Um, because uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's it's warranted. And a lot of people, I feel, don't seem to get uh, what storytelling is all about. But hey. Um, Anakin left us another super chat. Thank you very much, uh, Anakin. Says, uh, people complain too when Asuka had her first match on main roster with Emma. And absolutely, you are 100% correct. When she, when she debuted with Emma, Emmalina... Uh, on on Raw, I remember people were were like, "Why doesn't he, why isn't she squashing her? She should have been done in fifteen seconds." But that was never Oscar's mo. That was never ever ever her thing. Never her thing. Oscar was always about competitive, hard fought matches from A to Z. Carlos, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. But here's what I want to do. I want to circle this back. On Suprit, good to see you, Suprit. Welcome to the chat. I want to circle this back because I want to do a comparison here. Um, the um, what? Anakin left us another super chat. He says, "No, her Emma match was the TLC. We got Balor AJ." I remember getting Balor and AJ because um, because uh, Bray Wyatt was out sick. But her Emma match was the TLC. Regardless, like I remember when she debuted and she everyone was like, she needs to crush Emma. But she anyway, but that's the point. The point is, is that she didn't crush her and people got mad. But this, I want to circle back and because I, 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 wa I wanted to make a, a, a correlation between what what they did or what they do on AEW with matches like Kenny Omega versus um versus under guys and what they're not doing on on raw with the women's division right now right because I as I mentioned like there there's a problem because the problem doing the opposite creates a problem that we're seeing right now on WWE with the women's division uh and whether it's on raw or smackdown right now like first and foremost there was no there were no women matches on friday on smackdown um uh oscar wasn't even on tv yet she was uh, she was at raw she was at uh, the thunderdome uh and they didn't use her um of course they had to focus on this silly silly rick flair lacey evans angle i mean whatever right uh, that's i don't I, that i don't understand but uh, what it makes you wonder, right? Why did they have such a strong 2020 with Sasha and Bailey and Asuka? Why are they failing to capitalize on this now? And I'll tell you, and I think the the correlation is is pretty clear. They just they decided to not build anyone else. And mark my words, I'm using my words very carefully. They decided not to build anyone else. These are not, it's not happenstance, folks. It's not choice. It's not, it's not, 
bad bad karma that this is happening. These are choices that WWE makes. They decided not to build anyone else. Why did Carmella suddenly jump into title contention with her surprise return instantly? There wasn't any build to it. And, and it was kind of cringe. Uh, her match with Sasha at TLC was rad. Don't get me wrong, but no one was buying into the fact that, she, that Carmella was going to beat Sasha right then and there. And in, instead of having Charlotte come back, uh, excuse me, Carmella come back, have some matches, have some, some fights, uh, uh, and, 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 and build up her credibility like that. They decide to go with skits and champagne bullshit and whatever. And as I said before, W earlier in the show, WWE fans appreciate in-ring work. And I'm going to stick by this now. They appreciate a good in-ring story where the challenger shows that she's got it and she's able to fight to get what she wants. Now, why hasn't WWE created an environment where they could do that with their women outside of the four horsewomen in Asuka where you could have, where, where you could have uh, have these women fight have matches with pc trainees not necessarily squash matches but competitive matches where you get to see them wrestle you get to see their talent and they pull off a win and they they start to grow on you not because they're wearing high heels or because they have a wacky coat on but because they're actually good wrestlers We're back in a women's division who doesn't have strong, credible challengers to their main event women. WWE's just pissing about, uh, pissing around about it. Outside of maybe Bailey versus Bianca, which is which is is very good because both of these women are super talented, and they should have been building Bianca much more seriously than this by now. But that's a whole other story. No one, nobody is given chances to rise credibly. And those who do or those who that they oh, sort of yeah. pussyfoot around with, like Shayna Baszler or Liv, well, they then they get shoved back into tag team situations or or they're just simply not booked, right? Whereas you could just be having them wrestle, have matches, and have us as audience members get to know these wrestlers so that when it's time for them to have a title match, we'll get excited about it. This is the reason why we feel like we're in a no man's land or a no woman's land with the women's division right now with Sasha doing stuff in bit because WWE's like, we can't, we can't go to Charlotte and Oscar just yet. We got to keep that for WrestleMania. Maybe we can't go back to Sasha and Bailey just now. Oh, Becky's not yeah. back yet, but they're not, they haven't learned their lesson from, uh, from WrestleMania two years ago when Becky won the title and there were so little, credible contenders waiting for her on the other side that they had to shoehorn Lacey Evans into that into the program having Becky's first program be absolute garbage so they're doing the same thing here and so so why not try this why not why not go into this type of situation where instead instead of having um instead of having um 
in, instead of like flipping switches on and off, oh, this week and for the next two weeks, Dana Brooke. Cut down on the goddamn promos week after week. Cut down on the fucking recaps. 15 minutes ago, this happened. Give us matches. Give sh- Put the women into positions where they have to wrestle. You have PC trainees. They're pissed off because they have to come in to train. At least put them on television. It makes so much sense when you start thinking about it that way. When you start, when you start to realize that a Danny Lam, Danny Limelight, losing a competitive match against Kenny Omega last night, but it wasn't just against Kenny Omega. But you guys understand what I mean. Losing against Kenny Omega last night, putting Omega through the through the ringer, is going to be so much better for AEW down the road than the opposite. It just will be. And if you're paying attention and you're able to follow the signs and the stories that will come out of this, you will get a payoff. You will get a payoff. If done right, of course. They still AEW still has more than enough wiggle room to prove us wrong, but they they can also they can also show us that they they understand just how different they are. And then when you want to talk about more storytelling, look at the brawl after the match. The brawl after the match. No 15 minutes of promos or talking. Or it's like, I'm going to kick your butt. Look at what happened at the end when Mox came down. Look at everything that got set up in just one brawl in like, what, two to three minutes. And it was exciting and it was fun to watch. You set up. More Mox versus Omega stuff. You so you're like, okay, these guys aren't done. The Lucha Brothers and the Good Brothers. That's another thing you set up there. Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. Uh, the Young Bucks and Moxley. Omega and Callus fucking off <clears throat> because they, they they didn't want to get you know, Don Callus was keeping his prized possession away from all this carnage. Look at everything that was set up storyline wise. Look at all the potential you got out of that. Just with one fucking brawl. And you're going to tell me that WWE is the absolute final formula on how to build a wrestling match, a, a wrestling program? Fuck no. Absolutely not. Is AEW the best way? I, no, oh, but yeah. it's good. It's fun. It's different. Is it going to be successful? Let's have this conversation in five years. And we'll let's have this conversation again in five years. And we'll see if it was successful. Uh, I got a couple of super chats here. Uh, Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Again, Evan, he says, Darby versus Cage was perfect. Loved every second. Let's actually give it some a cool beans if we if we must that was really good it really ruled it really did rule and based off of the strength of uh Darby Allen who just doesn't give a fuck about his body backstage talking with uh with Brian Cage going hey so what do you want to do with the match oh Brian uh, just throw me around man you, you sure cuz uh is it- yeah, just 
like get on the get on the apron and just like throw me onto the table. What table? You want me to set up a table? No, no, the table that's already there. You mean the you mean the you mean the ring the the timekeeper's table? Yeah, whatever. Whoever sits there. But it's all the way over there, Darby. You're like gonna it's it's I don't give a shit, man. Just do it. I'm sure that's the conversation. That's exactly how it happened. And it was all in the story again. And it was all, you know, the strength of Darby's character. We understand that he, this is what he does. He, 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 he's fearless. He just wants to get, he just wants to get the shit beat out of him, essentially. I loved it. I thought it was great. Perfectly, perfectly done. I really do. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says the women have been carrying WWE despite the booking. I mean, 2020 is, it's hard to argue. And the women were the star of, of WWE in 2020, the, the COVID era. I don't think there's anyone who were, who were as consistently good. The women's division was, was the reason to watch week after week. It's good stuff. Uh, Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, do you think Mox shows up at Hard to Kill to screw Omega? Um, I think that's the most probable outcome. Like, I really do think that's the most probable outcome because you do. Do you really want on the on your Impact show? Do you really want your world champion to lose to like? I, again, we don't know the we don't know how deep deeply ingrained the relationship is. They when I mean they, I mean Impact and AEW. We don't know how deep it goes, but um, if you're doing this as a one-off, seems to me you, you kind of want Rich Swan to have a good showing and and get a solid win here for the boys at Impact, right? Wouldn't that make sense? And and and, and if you want to protect Omega, you could have. You could have Moxley run in. Now, if this was an AEW card, I'd say no, because they're not strong on on these types of... Because I... I'm trying to think, like, outside of the MJF... Outside of MJF uh, versus Moxley, like, there weren't... There, there aren't tons of shenanigans involved in, in the conclusion of a match. There's some peppered throughout, but... I think that if it was AEW, they'd avoid doing that. But here, it's a pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure Impact is banking on more viewers, better viewership. I think you kind of want Rich Swan to get a big win. Look, regardless, uh, Rich Swan and, and, and the Motor City Machine Guns, of course, you know, have one of the good brothers take the pin. Have Dog Gallows take the pin. It's not that big a deal. I think it'll, I think it'll be fine. I don't know how much how much talent exchange they're 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 going to be doing moving forward. I kind of feel like this is going to wrap it up for the the impact trade the the impact back and forth here. Like again, like I told you guys, unless we fit unless we find something out, I still don't know what AEW's value here is. I don't understand what their big gain is. I still don't see it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, but hey, we're done with the weekly wrestling inspection, though. 
folks, remember if you didn't like the video already, if you're watching this right now on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Want to say hello to, uh, want to say hello to Slam Hub Wrestling and the Yankee Power. Good to see you. Welcome to the chat. A few minutes, uh, we've got a few minutes to spare here. We've got a couple of minutes to spare here. Uh, my God, um, COVID and all of that. Look, I just, I don't want to get too much into this, you know, I, I, but I, I feel like there's, you know, this at least has to be said because, you know, we heard about, uh, we heard about Nick, uh, Nick Jackson. Oh, yeah. We heard about Nick Jackson revealing that he got, uh, he got COVIDed. Wait, we're very quickly here. DGMC left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Very, very much, DGMC. I appreciate it. Thank you again. He says, who attacked Mox backstage? Still no follow-up yet. No. It's still not quite clear. Still not quite clear. I know a lot of people are um, are hoping that it's Sammy Callahan because they both have history and so on and so forth. And again, this is the kind of match that I, I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what... What AEW's... I don't know what AEW's endgame with Impact is. I still, it's still not clear to me. We'll see. But yeah, that's still, that's still, it's a hanging Chad. As far as storylines go, um, you, you know, we found out about uh, about Nick Jackson's um, getting COVID a couple of weeks ago, and then, uh, and then our big brain hero Chris Jericho. Uh, going off and doing uh doing concerts and then coming back and getting COVID, um, and then still still being a a denier and having conspiracy theorists on his podcast, and and then uh WWE this week announced that Drew McIntyre uh, uh was tested positive for COVID and is going to stay at home for two weeks. Um, so you know, do wrestlers have to owe us their 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 medical history? Of course not. It's stupid. Of course not they don't that's none of our business ultimately uh, you know trust me when i say that if it had been anyone if it if umberto carrillo had tested positive for the big rona you can be damn sure that wwe would have said mum's the word on it but since drew is their champion and a very very public figure because they've had him doing the press runs and all that they had to say something that's that's just something that they had to do um uh what bugs me at this point is that i i don't know what kind of protocols that either company have set up to protect their talent right like if drew last week was with hulk hogan and <clears throat> And Ric Flair and a bunch of legends, and not just legends, a bunch of people, but especially the legends who are considered to be in the vulnerable group at the age that they were that they are. And he's like, doop, 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 doop. He could have he could have tested positive just last week. We don't know. The point is, is that we don't know. And we we're we're not we're at a point where I feel like both wrestling companies have become a lot laxer on their uh on their testing programs and protocols and it's 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 infuriating me because i've told you guys before and i'll tell you again we don't need wrestling 
in a pandemic. We don't need it. I'm glad we have it. It's a nice to have, but we don't need it. We don't need to go see shows. We don't need to have uh, to have wrestling shows going on right now. We don't need it. And I'd prefer... Everyone just seems to be over it at this point. It's like, ah, just fuck it and let's go, let's go catch it. But we're never going to get our, we're never going to get out of this if we don't act responsibly. So I don't know what the testing protocols are when you go into work for W, when, when you go in, uh, head into work at WWE on a, on a Sunday or a Monday, whenever it is you go in or an AEW. I don't know. And that's the problem is that we don't know. And I think that these companies should be putting their methods forward and showing social responsibility because that's what I expect from a corporation in 2021 is to be socially responsible and be like, look, we're on your side on this. Yes, we want to make all the money, but we want to do it in a way that is going to be respectful instead of just being all fucking willy nilly with that. And it fucking bugs me. It really, really does bug me. And if, I'll, I'll read Anakin's uh, very generous super chat again. Thank you so much, Anakin, tonight. I appreciate it. He says, Jericho's cavalier attitude towards COVID ticks me off so much. My dad was in a real bad spot for a while, but eh, I didn't have any symptoms, so it's not that bad. Uh, you see Kfe, a fuck, oh, okay, he's doing pig Latin, but I want pig Latin. Fuck you, Irvine. Yeah, no, that's the attitude, right? It's like, oh, I feel fine. I'm okay. I was okay. Just because, just because it happens to you that way doesn't mean it happens to anyone else. Thing is that Jericho could have transmitted it to anyone. It's not just like, oh, am I sick? <laughs> and this is what they can't get into their fucking lizard brains at this goddamn point. It's not a question of, am I sick? Is am I making other people sick? That, and that's always been the crux of the situation. It's always been the thing. That's why you wear a fucking mask to go out. It's not to catch it. It's to keep others from catching it in case you have it. Jesus, it's 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 so incredibly simple. But no, hey, let's have the flat earthers on the podcast though. Let's talk about uh, is COVID really a thing? Fucking Chris Jericho. Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point. Like, we just don't know. We don't know. And if if Jericho's getting sick and Nick Jackson's getting sick, well, there's, there's transmission happening in AEW. It, it's just that simple, folks. They're passing it around there too. So what are the protocols there as well? It goes both ways. I'm not, at this point, I'm not impressed with either of them. I'm really not. And if we gave shit to GCW. Anyway. Anywho. To wrap this up on a nice, nice subject. Something fun to wrap this out. Our friends over at 
Pro Wrestling Illustrated released today their, their, the digital copy, at least, of their brand new edition, brand new magazine, where they had their 2020 Achievement Awards. Now, what are the 2020 Achievement Awards, you may ask? It's not like the PWI 500. This, this is fan votes. This is uh, them putting out a popular poll and having their readership uh, write in and, and, and vote on their... It's audience picks. It's audience picks. Isn't that great? And I want to run through them. And I, of course, I want to spark up some discussion in the chat here. want to spark up some discussion in the Discord. want to spark... Which you should join, by the way. The link is in the description. And on Twitter. Although Twitter's a cesspool. But hey, why not go ahead? Let me run these down for you. Rookie of the year. Um, so, um, so yeah. So, basically... Had people write in the ballots. Everyone had to uh, had a chance to vote. Uh, I'll give you the top four winners and the top four. Number four, uh, number four was uh, came in at Abaddon, who got six percent of the votes. Joshua Wavra, the Skeleton Key, came in at uh, on in third place with eight percent of the vote. Mr. Warren Hayshore, Discord mainstay and fan favorite, Anna J came in on second. With 18% of the vote, and it is Dominic Mysterio who got 54% of the vote. Ah, the, okay, fans. <laughs> that, that's that's okay. Um, but Ray Mysterio, uh, Dominic Mysterio, congratulations, Rookie of the Year. As far as the uh, viewers, readers of PWI are concerned. Other uh, nominees were Matt Mikowski and Pat McAfee as well. Uh, most improved wrestler of the year. Uh, on, in the fourth place with 11% of the vote was Jay Uso. Number three uh, in the third position uh, at with 12% of the vote, Otis. 13% of the vote and number two was Ricky Starks and the most improved wrestler of the year with 30% of the vote is Drew McIntyre. <clears throat> That's an interesting choice. Um, just like putting Otis as an improved wrestler is interesting as well. <laughs> Other top vote getters included uh, Jacob Fatu, Apollo Crews, and Sonia Deville, who I think should have ranked a lot higher. But that's just me. <laughs> Inspirational wrestler of the year coming in at number four, at least tied at the, uh, let's say the third spot or the fourth spot, Drake Maverick and the Speaking Out movement, which I think is really cool. I think it's really cool that there's a bunch of people who uh, voted for Speaking Out in this category. Nice. I think it's a nice little nod to everything that happened this year. Second place at 10% of the vote was Thunder Rosa and at 44% uh, of the vote and bringing a bit of a tear to my eye and getting me a little choked up every time I see it, Chad Gaspard uh, at 44% uh, of the vote. Um, other uh, top votes for inspiring wrestlers were uh, Jay Uso, Nyla Rose and Mustafa Ali. As far as the comeback of the year goes, who had the comeback of the year? In according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated's reader base, Asuka came in at number four with 10% of the vote. Eric Young with 13% of the vote. I think that's very fair. He had a good 2020. 
Randy Orton at 15% comes in at number two, but the big comeback of the year, MVP at nine, he got 19% of the vote. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a bigger success story uh, as far as this. No one expected MVP to become relevant again in it. I don't even think he was this relevant when he was an active competitor. I really don't. I, I think I think it's a good I think it's a good choice. I think Eric Young's a fantastic choice as well. Other uh, other nominees that uh, popped up in here were Ken Shamrock, Chris Sabin, Mickey James, and Edge as well. The Independent Wrestler of the Year. Coming in at number four at, with 7% of the vote, vote was Chris Dickinson, new, new member of the New Japan roster. Chris Dickinson, that same fella. AJ Gray uh, came in at thir in third at uh, 10% of the vote. Nick Gage, number two with 14% of the vote. And it is none other than Warhorse, who is our independent wrestler of the year at 19% of the vote. Hey, you can't. Warhorse has a following. He had a really... Hey, he showed up on AEW and had a good match with Cody for the TNT title. He had a good year. He had a good year. So, uh, good for him. <clears throat> Some of the other vote-getters included Ali Catfay, Jackson, Heather Monroe, Lee Moriarty, and Trisha Dora. All fantastic wrestlers. Who do you think the PWI... Readership picked for feud of the year. What do you think the four choices were? What was your choice, chat, for feud of the year? Well, let me tell you, as far as the PWI readership goes, the fourth best feud of the year was MJF versus Cody Rhodes at 7% of, uh, of the vote. Third best feud, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy got 10% of the vote. Edge versus Randy Orton came in on second with 16% of the vote. But the feud of the year was Sasha and Bailey with 37% of the vote. It's a, it, it's a solid choice. <laughs> it carried the company. Um, other uh, other vote, uh, other runner-ups, runner-uppers included Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan, Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso, and the Mysterio family versus Seth Rollins. The most popular wrestler of the year. Popular. Someone you just like, I really like this wrestler person. Here's the top four. As chosen by the PWI readership. Keith Lee over at number four uh, with 8% of the votes. Drew McIntyre, 14% of the vote. John Moxley, number two, 22% of the vote. And just eking over Mox with 23% of the vote is Orange Cassidy. Congratulations for him. And they even did a nice little segment on uh, uh, on the internet with um, with the plaque and Cassidy. It was good stuff. I like that kind of shit. Uh, other uh, vo top vote getters were Oscar, Adam Cole, Nick Gage, and Chris Irvine. The most hated wrestler of the year. Hated. Was it kayfabe hate or not? I'll let you guys decide looking at these results. 11% of the of the voters, PWI, PWI's readership voted for Randy Orton, comes in at four. 
Third place belongs to MJF at 17%. Roman Reigns in at number two at 19%. But the most hated wrestler of the year for PWI's readers at 21%, Seth Rollins. That's right. Some of the other top getters are Bailey, King Corbin, Britt Baker, Brody Lee, and Ricky Shane Page. I like to see this mix of the GCW guys in there and gals. Uh, match of the year. What do you think? What did what was your match of the year, folks? We watched a whole bunch of those a couple of weeks ago. But here's a here's some here. Fourth place, 5% of the vote. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov on October 29. That was fucking awesome. 6% of the vote. Bringing in at number three is Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania 36. Edge versus Randy Orton on uh, on uh, June 14. Yes, the greatest wrestling match ever. Can't even break the number one spot here because it belongs to the Young Bucks versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega at Revolution 22%. I can't argue with that choice. Fucking amazing match. And who was the tag team of the year? Well, at 13% of the vote coming in at number four, Street Profits. Adam Page and Kenny Omega come in third at 14% of the vote. FTR at 16% of the vote. But your top tag team as chosen by PWI's readership were Sasha and Bailey. 20% of the vote went to them. Other vote getters? Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham, The New Day, The North, and The Young Bucks. Who do you think was the wrestler of the year? Again, not the PWI 500. In, picked by the readers. 7% of the readers picked Sasha Banks. 8% picked Chris Jericho, who's in, in third place. Bailey came in at number two with 10% of the vote. But at 29%, PWI's viewers, readers, top, top pick was John Moxley. 29% of the vote for him. Uh, and some of the other uh, runners-up included Drew McIntyre, Cody Rhodes, Asuka, Adam Cole, and Randy Orton. Okay. There you have it, folks. Um, so there you have it. Those are, that's what the readership picks. I, I like, I always like to see what, what readerships, uh, pick, especially, you know, depending what publications they follow, what websites or where they hang out, you know, and stuff like that. You want to talk about this more? I invite you to join the Mr. Warren Hayes discord. Come chat with us some more about it. What are, what are your thoughts? Who was robbed in these categories here? Who was completely taken, taken apart? Uh, who was the, who was forgotten? Come and join us. Come and join us in the Discord. It's a good time. Uh, you know what else is a good time? Doing this every Thursday night. But then again, I also have to wrap it up at some point because we do have to move on with our lives. But that being said, I appreciate, Kristen said it at the start of the show. I appreciate all of you guys and gals who come here every Thursday to, to, to talk wrestling with me, to listen to my opinions, like Acer5000. Good to see you. Welcome to the chat. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, it, it, it humbles me every single time. And your support, 
humbles me every single time. So if you haven't already, do consider giving the video a thumbs up or a like, a review, whatever. That stuff helps out a great deal. I want to thank you all so much for joining me. I'll be uh, back here uh, tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. on Friday, live for another slate uh, for the SmackDown pre-show. And that's all. Those are always a good time. If you can come and hang out and get hyped for the show, why don't you? But otherwise, folks, I hope you have a great rest of your evening. And I'll see you next time.